Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions, raise your voices to the anthem, marching with our mighty army, Wrexham is the name, Fearless in Devotion. Christ on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast. Uh, how are we all feeling after uh, losing on the telly once again? I thought we'd uh, got that that sort of particular monkey off our back, Tim, but uh, no, it came to rear its ugly head again. First of all, welcome back, Reese. It's nice to have your dulcet tones back with us. We were lost and rudderless without you. Well, kind of anyway, so <laughs> glad to have you back. Um, in terms of in terms of yesterday, yeah, it was a bit of a sucker punch, wasn't it? And it just it just felt like the sort of performance that we were used to, kind of like, you know, before November, December. It was just a little bit aimless, lacked creativity, lacked control, lacked direction. And it was just individual errors again. You know, Jordan's inexplicable handball, Ben Toza with a sort of lazy pass, which led to their winner. Um, and Luke Young couldn't get his body shape right to prevent it. And I don't know, I don't want to be overcritical of Dibble. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, individual errors cost us, but it just wasn't a very good showing at the end of the day. I suppose the perspective would be we're no worse off than we were before uh, 3pm yesterday. And they've been on a great run. It was always going to end at some point, Andy, do you think? Yeah, I mean, we 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 are where we were yesterday, but there's one game less, and you know when when Stockport lose, you've got to capitalise on that if you're going to win the league. We didn't. I thought we looked leggy. I thought he, you know, he hasn't changed the team much in the last six or seven games, and I'm usually all for that. I don't like people tinkering for the sake of it, but sometimes, you know, I think sometimes you've just got to freshen it up a little bit. I think McFazdean coming off early disrupted us a little bit. Um, and I know McAlinden scored the goal, but, you know, McFazdean does the defensive and the attacking job very, very economically. And I, maybe we missed that a little bit as well. And maybe that disrupted us. I look, you know, you as Reese, as you said, you're going to lose games every now and again. It's just a shame that it happened to be when when we really could have put some pressure on and really, you know, stop what lost three out of the last five. You know, they're starting to crack and we could have really hyped that up, but they're looking at that at nine, thinking, well, they balls it up as well, and the pressure comes off them a little bit. It's just it's just a bit of a shame. Uh, now, I came, didn't get back till uh, about midnight last night after another superbly organised South Wales Reds bus. Uh, well done, Alan, and Rich in particular, for being uh, the brains behind that particular operation. It's good to see them in... Uh, Good to see the membership doing so well this year. Um, but but I haven't brought myself to watch the highlights back. Liam, could you answer me a few questions? Uh, one, was it a penalty in the first half? Young tackle in the box? Uh, BT presenters were convinced it was, but I don't think so. I think he got enough of the ball to poke it away that it wasn't um, a penalty for me. Plus, our mate Adam Virgo just doesn't like us, I don't think. So, <laughs> I think he was uh, giving them that one all day. Okay. Uh, was it a free kick? Parky was convinced it wasn't. Wrexham fans weren't. I I winced when McAlinden slid in. And I and from my angle, I thought, yeah, the ref's bound to give that. Yeah, I, I think it's, as you say, I think it's a case of with the referee we had, he wasn't giving us much in that game. I don't know... 100% if it was a free kick, but that referee was going to give that all day long. Andy, did he go through the back of him? I, I, mate, I didn't see it. I was watching a stream in, <laughs> in Serbia. I got the first 55 minutes and then and then the screen went. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. So I was walking home getting really, really frustrated. Yeah, fair enough. It wasn't great. Okay, fine. I mean, don't think we'd have any doubts about the handball. And then we did seem to just totally panic after the equaliser, didn't we? We looked like a team who just didn't know how to react. But still, we lived to fight another day. Halifax lost, Stockport lost. Um, we move on. Now, Tim, you've got some notes from 
uh, a meeting that happened last Friday. Tell us about that. Yeah, Grussell Reds held a meeting with executive director and comedian um, Humphrey Care, Humphrey Carr. Carr is the better, correct, correct pronunciation, I believe. And he's really, really good value. Um, you kind of often wonder, you know, because with him being a comedian and actor, how much of a handle he's going to have with the sort of day-to-day running and how much investment he's got in the football side of things. But he spoke really well. Um, there was loads, loads to take from the meeting. I've got some notes in front of me. I'll rifle through them. But uh, off the top of the, the, the shop, you mentioned that uh, for all of the, uh, the sort of the the bad mouth and he gets Sean Harvey apparently does love working for the club and the owners. Um, and he basically said that, you know, he's aware of his reputation, but you're always going to make mortal enemies as, as the CEO of the, uh, the football league. So he kind of, he just said, you know, he gets on his job and it's as simple as that really. But in terms of other things, main issue that the club was facing is facilities, namely, um, pitches to play on, basically, to, to train on. So that seems to be an issue at the moment that they sort of seem to be bouncing from one place to the next because they obviously haven't got Colliers Park 24-7. So that seems to be the biggest hurdle at the moment. Aligned to that, there was a meeting last week um, about the, the sort of training ground. Obviously, that's still a bit down the track, but that, that still is going on in the background. Um in terms of, they also hinted in terms of the training ground stuff, they hinted about it, they may look to invest to sort out some drainage at a, sort of a localish club. So it got me thinking maybe Lex or something or I don't know where else, just so they can have that stopgap of, of having some more pitches to train on in the interim between now and, and getting the training ground sorted. Um, mentioned that the COP would be completed for the 23-24 season. If I remember rightly, that's quick. Like, yeah, it seems quick. Um, but you know, once these things come together, you know, they, they can pretty much knock it up ahead of steam, one might imagine. So, yeah, so the, there's that. They also mentioned that before TikTok for the front of shirt sponsor was a very well known pizza company, didn't elaborate. So, I can imagine it's going to be one of the main three. Um, I, I could imagine, well. Didn't Fulham? Fulham had Pizza Hut back in the day. So it's got to be Domino's or Papa John's, isn't it? You would think. Wrexham Pizza and Kebab, maybe? Could be. Could be. Why not? Wrexham Special. So apparently they, they were in for it. And then Rob and Ryan said, can we aim a little bit higher, potentially? So um, the TikTok idea came about. And if I remember right, I think TikTok initially kind of weren't really interested. And then Ryan Reynolds somehow has had a, a sort of been a fly in the air at the, the sort of one of the TikTok box, um, bosses and um, they've changed their mind. So that was nice. Um, bit of a difference between TikTok and uh, one can only assume Domino's or Papa John's or whatever. So yeah, that's that was a, another good thing. Quite another interesting little tidbit to take from it. They, that, that was an agreement though that Rob and Ryan did TikTok accounts as well. So that was the, uh, the little caveat to it. Uh, sports psychologist, they've had they've had one in at the club. No great surprises these days. James Jones apparently benefited from it, uh, in addition to a few others. Um, obviously, didn't start the season great, and now he's uh, indispensable. Um, last night, I mean yesterday, permitting, I suppose. Uh, reserve team, and um, they're looking at reintroducing the reserve team, which is key, I think, because you know we we we've, we've missed that in terms of development and a few of the bits. I think there's been a big gap between first team and anything below it. So they're looking at getting that sorted out as well. Big thing in terms of the fans advisory board, they said that's going to be formed this summer. There was a lot of talk so in and around the takeover. Is there still going to be a fans fans voice, a fans representative? So it looks like that is, that is coming to fruition finally. So that'll be interesting to see what comes of that. Um, and also, yeah, the last few of the bits, obviously mentioned the shirt sales. Uh, I think Stato, who was at the, the meeting, I think he said that 9,000 shirts were sold last year. As of this year, it's well over 30,000 plus. So be 20K home shirts, 10K away, and the white third shirt is still selling at a, at a speed of knots. So pretty good growth there. Um, and the final few bits, director's boxes to be shrunk to make 
way for more seats for fans. I think there's 90 odd seats in the director's box off the top of my head. Uh, and the last bit, which I should have mentioned before about the cop end, he sort of suggested that there might be like a, a gig venue built within the cop end. So obviously the multi-purpose aspect. So, you know, you look at got William Aston Hall next door, which used to hold a lot of gigs and that has been, that's kind of disappeared, I think, over a license issue, I think, not not mistaken. So to have a gig venue incorporated into the stand is, is a bonus as well. So those are the main takeaways from that. But he spoke really well and, yeah, really good guy and um, seems, to, seems to know what's going on. So, yeah, very handy asset to have around the club. Very interesting. Andy, what's your, uh, what stood out for you in the, out of those uh, tidbits? Uh, shirt sales, um, that's high. It's really high. That's like championship level, I'd say. Um, interesting what they're going to do with the cop. I don't, I don't really know how how big would a would a st- would a stand have to be to get a decent sized gig venue in there. I mean, I'm all for that being multi. I mean, it could be it could be it could be central station size thing, couldn't it? That's what I'm talking about. Mm. Floor space. We're not talking about a massive, you know, stadium size no, arena. I suppose I suppose that's useful for the university. It's right on the doorstep. That is, you know, you could get you could get a club in there or something like that. You know, it's it, that that it would be something that would be used more than uh, a couple of times a week. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just positive, isn't it? I think we do need that fan advisory board. We were promised it. We should get it. Um, and I think the other thing is Harvey. I mean, I suppose you know he he's. He's aware of the criticism, but he, you know, we we've said it a lot of times. You know, he's he's the hard ass probably football administrator we needed and haven't had for a while. So you know, he was always going to get criticism, um, but at the end of the day, he is experienced, and that's what we asked for, and we've got it. He did. He did also mention Fleur. Actually, I forgot about this because somebody mentioned about you know, what's the deal with Fleur? We don't really see much of Ronaldo and all that, and. He kind of said that, you know, prior to, to Fleur being there, you'd have like people in sort of the backroom staff who would do all the stuff before a match. And as soon as the match is on, they would vacate their office or their desk, wherever they was, to watch the match. And like, some, you know, he said that some people get the idea that when the match is on, she sat there in the back office watching Burton Albion's games. And that's really not the case. So she's just getting on with, with other bits and bobs. So, you know, the, I think there was like a deflection of any sort of criticism there. But Seems to be enjoying it. Seems to be getting on with the the match day operations. I think, which which is what she's the main the, her main sort of role and remit is. So, yeah, there we go. There's another little bit I can just about recall. And Sean Harvey, if you're listening, you heard it there. Andy Gilpin thinks you're the administrator that we've been calling out for and that we needed. Big fan. He's a huge fan. Thinking of setting up the Sean Harvey fan club. Sean is driving now on his way into the race course and he's he's grinning from ear to ear. Sean um, Harvey Appreciation Society. Shash. Shash. Hang on. Hang on. Let's not go that far. It's just, you know, <laughs> we didn't have any football administrator. Now we've got one. Why don't you marry yeah. him if you love him so much, Andy? Garen Parry is going to be jealous of you. I'm telling you. They're going to be happy. Oh, no. I've still got, I've still got big heart eyes for, for Garen. Don't worry about that. Right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, it's been a, lo- a long old intro. Um, it's time now to uh, pick up off yet last week's monumental cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> glad we. Uh, glad Even we I don't drew- know what's coming. I've no idea. I've no idea what's coming. I can't wait. We're glad we drew you in. Uh, but now here's the second half of that interview with Robbie Evans. Going on to the trophy final, a lot of people sort of say that maybe there was a few turning points in it. And I think one that gets mentioned is maybe subbing you on for, for Dean Keats. Now, I understand why why Kevin Wilkin did that, because yeah. you 2-0 up and he wants to give you time to, to experience yeah. that. Yeah. But also, I'm not just saying because, oh, you know, we've won it, give, give, give the young lad some time. He wants you to maybe in five years look back on that moment and go, that's, yeah. that's the sort of thing that kicked me on. Could, yeah. How do you sort of sort of 
protest so, that. This is this is probably well. This since that game, this is going to be the first time that I've ever spoken about this FA Trophy game. I've never never watched the game back. Um, I've mm. never spoke about it, and it was something that hit me for two to three weeks that I didn't want to leave me house after it. Um, to this day, I shouldn't have come on for Dean Keats that early, and that's right. I, I that's I know that. But a young lad that's got the chance of going on, are you going to say to the manager, no, this is not my time to come on? Maybe looking back at it, I should have. I probably should have stepped up and said to Wilkin, listen, the game's not finished yet. We need to see it out even more. Because I think at the time, North Ferriby were just getting more and more forward, more chances. Um, so to this this day, I, I probably came on way too early. And I, I look, I, I've not watched the goals back. Obviously, I know how it happened. None of the goals are my fault. But... It, making a change in someone as vital and as vocal as Dean Keats is, is probably not the person that you could you should take off with that time. Now, I know he was struggling with his injuries, but I think he had enough in him. And I think Keatsy will tell you when he came off, he wasn't happy because he felt the game wasn't over and done with. And he just needed someone in the middle of the park just to calm things down and see the game throughout maybe for the last five minutes, then maybe, you know, my time. Um so yeah, I've not really spoken much about it, but that's my verdict. You know, I think I came on too early. Um, like it wasn't my decision to bring myself on. It was the manager's decision. And I can, you know, I thank him very much for me, you know, for letting me play at Wembley and stuff like that. I just think looking back at it, um, we should have maybe stayed what we had, Keatsy in the middle, and just seen the game out a little bit longer and then maybe given my chance. Um, but I'd have been happy with not coming on and winning the FA trophy. Yeah. All day, I'd have took that all day for me just to be in the squad and warming up on Wembley. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that that would have been perfect for me. So, and that's saying something. I'd have happily not come on to see that game out, or even if it was for thirty seconds and I didn't even touch the ball, I'd have been happy. So yeah. it's something that yeah, that's probably the lowest point I've ever had in my football career. Um, but like I said, it's football that these things happen, and you know, no doubt from now until the day I retire, I'll probably have something that'll be. Much worse, much worse than that. I highly doubt it, to be honest, because, you know, I came on 2-0 and we ended up losing. So it'd be very hard to beat. Yeah, I don't want to sound patronising, but I did feel for the younger players that day because I think, you know, yourself coming on for Keats was picked up as some sort of focal point. Um, I think, I want to say, Steve Thomason was playing right back that day, wasn't he? Yeah, that's it, and yeah. he took quite a few pelters after the game. I mean, what, what did it do in terms of you know, your, your confidence, did it knock it at all? Yeah, it, it did. Um, it, it knocked me for about two, three weeks. Um, I was, I was really struggling after it again. You know, you can understand losing a game with the race course on a Saturday. And that, what I said, it feels like for a local lad to lose, it hits him 10 times more. Well, you know, you can imagine what it's like losing at Wembley, but not even that coming on when you were two nil up. Um, so it did knock my confidence, you know, and some players obviously says them things after the game and stuff like that. And that always treat plays in your mind and stuff like that. But I'll be honest, Kevin Wilkin was, was brilliant after the game. You know, he, he said to me, listen, it wasn't your fault that we lost this game. Um, it's my fault that I made the substitutions that early. Um, and yeah, so it did. Yeah, it was one, it's one of them. It's, it's football. It, you know, it does happen. Obviously in them circumstances, it's hard to, process and it took me a while um to get my confidence back up but you know you've just got to learn from it I guess well Kevin Wilkins maybe he's got to learn from it maybe make the right substitutions one of them yeah he didn't get time to learn no I think it was two days after wasn't it yeah I did message I mean, him after it yeah all I would say about that is I don't think there's any sort of Wrexham fan who who walked out of Wembley and went well Robbie Evans is to blame for that absolutely no not not at all I think it's it's when you process a game after you sort of think about it and maybe you think okay that could be a focal point and also when when sort of other people sort of start to examine it but I don't yeah. think any sort of fan thought that was that was down to you in any way I certainly didn't I actually thought at the time that's actually quite a clever move yeah I okay maybe I thought the game the game was done but you yeah. know I thought it was a good move to bring you on to sort of give you the experience of something like that. I think it's just more obviously the fans look at it right when does when does it when did this game change? And then you look exactly right. It was when Keatsy came off. I don't think it was more when Robbie came on. 
I think it was more when Keaty came off. And, you know, I, that's how I look at it and that's how I feel anyway, obviously, when the game panned out. Um, and to, to be honest, when I spoke to a lot of fans about it, I tend not to speak too much about it. Like, obviously, I was at the MySquin all not long ago. Um, I tend not to speak about it too much because obviously... It's nice to obviously speak about it because it gets out and obviously your feelings and stuff like that and your emotions on the game. But I always look at it and the fans have always mirrored what I, what I said. It, it wasn't, the game didn't change when, when myself came on. It was more when Keaty came off. And I think if he stayed on for a little bit longer, then, you know, we would have had a FA trophy to ourselves. But ah, well, I, I you know, it's turned out to be good because we're going to win one on the 22nd of May. And I got me ticket today. I completely agree with that though. I think, you know, it's 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 not something that to me was was pivotal at the time. I you know, yeah. and in hindsight, it's a great thing because if we'd have won that two 0 it's a great move. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, move. we've yeah. got we've got a young up and coming player, experience at Wembley, something he can take into next season. Of course, but obviously, what happened and the left winger was tearing us apart at that point. Yeah, and. You know, just loads of things. We tied on a Wembley pitch. He was still going. Yeah, that's and it. It's like I said, it, it's fo- it's just football, and um, you know, it's it's probably a good learning curve for me because it's it's brought to me. If the man, if I'm ever on the bench and the manager brings me on a two two nil up, I say no, don't you dare bring me on. Let's see the game out first. So I've learned something from it. Um, but I'm get I'm sure he has as well. And like I said, we're on to um. We're on to one on the 22nd, May, so it was meant to be, I think. Well, let, let's win this one instead. Absolutely. Um, right, let's move on from that. Let's move yep. on to let's move on to Gary Mills. So the first be season, fun. Yeah, the first season was something special though. What was it like to sort of train with the likes of with Bose? Because probably he, he was literally he was magic. He was really he brightened up my to, afternoon. That wasn't yeah. for you. To this day, he was probably the uh, most skillful, most talented player I've ever played with in training and in games. He was one of them people that you might not have seen for 15, 20 minutes, you pass him the ball and you'll take about six or seven players on. And I remember we brought him in. I remember, obviously, I was going through that summer when I just signed with Gary. Um, I had a, another year left on my contract and he was bringing these players in, your Sean Newton, your Jamal Firefield. Um, Lee Fowler I was thinking Jesus Christ this is this is some squad that we're getting together here yeah? I was panicking a little bit because I thought I'm not going to get involved um, but then you, you know you're Don Vos and I was thinking Don Vos I heard of that name you know he's at Welling previously no disrespect to Welling I was thinking I've not I've not you know I can't remember him but I remember that first two weeks in pre-season I was thinking Jesus how have we got this lad here it was something like you know when you're on football manager and you go in the Colombian league and you find someone with these mad ratings and you sign. Yeah. But you've yeah. never heard of. He, he, that's yeah. what Don was. And that's, you know, and he, he came to us and, and like not just him, you had your Conor Jennings and your Mokes. Um, it, it was such a good squad. And that's probably the best football I've ever played that season in, in training and on the games on Saturday. Some of the football we played. And I think the fans, it was a bit of a change for them. And I think they loved it as well a little bit because we went from obviously being this direct, get out wide and get the balls into the box into centre-half going into the 18-yard box and getting the ball off the goalkeeper. When I've, I've never been involved in a reaction team that's ever done that. But it was brilliant. And it was just a different era that he brought to the club. And um, I thought it was very good until a certain, you know, the Christmas period where obviously results didn't go our way. But... It's still, I still look back at that squad and just think how we didn't get promoted or at least didn't get in the playoffs that year is uh, quite remarkable. What did go wrong then? Losing John Bo- uh, Don Bowes in January, that didn't help because right. obviously we lost yeah, yeah. him to, uh, to Scunthorpe. Um, you know what? I spoke to Dom. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. Um, I think it was just too, too much of a good offer maybe for the club to turn down, which obviously circumstances in the long, long league and sometimes you've got to bite the bullet. Um and it was just the Christmas period. We, I think we had three or four games. And I think we picked up three points out of possible 12. And when them games are so close together around the Christmas period, if a team below you wins two or three games on the run, then it just sees you drop three or four places. We did pick a bit of form up, I think, around Feb time. Um, but obviously, you know, I think we beat Cheltenham 2-1. I think it was live on BT. I think Wes scored in the 94th yeah, minute. 
Um, and I think that was a game that we could have kicked on, but like I said, it just wasn't meant to be. We had a few injuries and stuff, and obviously losing our football manager, one the kid, Don Vos, it just, um, yeah, it wasn't meant to be and didn't work out for us. Are you surprised that, that Vos hasn't really made it, or could you sort of see that in his makeup that he's a sort of player who could come in, have an impact, but then the longer it went on, the more I'm not going to say difficulties because. You know, I don't know what went on there, but I, I always sort of just thought, well, here's a guy who who he's he's a nomad for a reason. He needs the instant sort of rush and the instant yeah. oh, man, this guy's great. And can he really carry that on? For I understand time? what you're saying because obviously, if you're a wonder kid, you would have made it a 17, 18, and pushed right on. And I think Don was 23, 24, maybe. I can't remember quite. I think he was a couple, two or three years older than me. Um, and you just always look, you, know, you always think maybe, you know, why is that? There must be a reason why he hasn't gone further on. Obviously, he did get his chance um, to go to Scunthorpe. But obviously, looking back, you know, looking still at his career now, I'm not, I think he was playing in Finland not long ago or somewhere in you know, Scandinavian countries. Yeah. Iceland, sorry, yeah, he was playing. Yeah. So it just makes you wonder, you know, why why things didn't quite work out with him. When he was with us, he had such... he had. Jamal Fifield, who came with him from Welling as well. And there was a group of lads, Blaine Hudson, that lived in the house together. Um, so I thought, he, you know, he, he loved that. He was very, he wanted to be always around the lads and stuff like that. And I don't know if maybe, you know, certain managers, Gary Mills loved him because he obviously played football. So Gary Mills loved him and he loved Gary Mills. You know, I don't know if maybe he's gone on to previous clubs and doesn't work out how, you know, the football way that he wants to play it. But he's one of them that won't stop playing what he wants to do. If the manager says go direct when you get the ball, cross the ball in, Don wants Don wants to do take many touches, get into that eighteen yard box and see if he can get a shot off. And I just think, you know, he's one of them that'll always stick to what he knows he can do best. And maybe some managers just don't see to that. Yeah, yeah, right. Let's talk about this second season. Um, now you Christ. said, you, said uh, you were worried about the calibre of player he's bringing in the first season. Were you worried the other way when it came to the second season? Basically, what was Naughty Naughty all about? I was shitting myself. That's the honest truth. I was opening the evening leader and seeing these signings and stuff like that. And I was really panicking. And I was thinking, this is not a playoff team. This is not. And it wasn't. And I think everyone could say that themselves. Every fan could say that. The first preseason game. And that's no disrespect to the players. But I just don't think that squad that we had was good enough to be in the top half of the table. And that's yeah. when I felt a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure coming my way. Just because, mm -hmm. again, I felt like, not like I had to overachieve myself and playing-wise, but felt like I had to do two or three people's jobs. So, you know, And I just think them players that he brought in didn't understand how big the club is. Yeah. Still don't understand how big the club is. And never will. And I just think they had a chance to come up two divisions, one from an under-21s team that's never played any uh, league football before, any professional football, sorry. And I just think, you know, no disrespect to them, you would take, you would bite the bullet yeah. to take that, go up two or three leagues. But don't take the piss. You've got to work yeah. hard now to get yourself in the starting eleven. And I just think we didn't have lads who were fighting in training, who were dedicated, doing the extra bit in the gym. And we I just don't feel that we had that. I don't know why we got them players in. I know we lost a lot of players that year. We lost Manny and Jamal Fivefield to um, Gateshead. We lost Connor Jennings. I don't know where they all went or why they all went. I really don't know. There must have been something in the background. But to this day, I still am baffled on how we go from there. To yeah. the second season there. I don't know if it's Gary Mills' fault. I really don't know if it was the board who maybe cut the budget a little bit. I don't know. It still baffles me to this day. And, I'd, oh, I'd, well, I'd love to know why, what happened, but I guess I'll never know. I mean, we had Paul Rutherford on a couple of months ago and there was one player he did single out was Callum Powell. Callum well, Powell. Oh, my God. To this day, I... I, I'm trying to say it just in case he listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think after the after the Rutherford one, he doesn't listen anymore. I just, I just, I, I just don't like him. Just didn't like him, and I still don't like him. Like, fair, I know he's got his little move to Southend, but he's one of them yeah. players. Even even if he's on your team, you would want to take out in the first five minutes. Simple as. You, he, he just is. He's, he's one of them that, you know, you go on YouTube and you type in like futsal that can do loads of skills with a big muscle arms and a 
he's that's him. He's not. Right. He's not. He's the def, He's probably the opposite to what a Wrexham player should be. You know what I mean? I, uh, he might. You know, he, he is skillful. He is talented. There's no probably doubt about that because he's at South End and credit to him where he's got. But he to this day got the chance, but was just happy that he got his chance and didn't actually provide or you know um, kick on for what he actually could have done. And I don't think he could have done it that year because I still think he had this hype that he got this big move, yeah. but. Um, he just, yeah, it's just everything about him. He, he just used to turn up. Like, you see all these footballers turning up with a wash bag under their arms. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've never, he was one of them that I would have Louis Vuitton wash bag. And I was thinking, you're not, you're on about 200 pounds a week. You know, you must have been on like climber pay or whatever it is. You pay every four weeks a certain amount because he was that type of player. And I, I remember what, uh, listening to brothers now and he said exactly what I was marrying. I was in the car listening to that on the way to training and I agreed with every, everything that Paul Rutherford said. He was one of them, Paul Rutherford, that would leave it all on the pitch, that would run his heart out, that he won't mind me saying this, he's not technically the best, but he will yeah, grind yeah. and he will grind and he was in really good shape. And then you add someone, obviously, the complete opposite, who, not as young, was very, saw this high life, that's what it was to him. It was a high profile come to Wrexham from when he did. So yeah, that's all I've got to say about certain him. And there was the Caelan Bailey Nichols. He was them two were very close to each other. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of Caelan Bailey Nichols now for some reason because I, I went. I have to remind myself of the players that were bringing in. Yeah. So Daily Post did a rundown of everyone that came in and Caelan twenty five to thirty goals. Yeah, I know. A season. I was going to say, what dimension does he score twenty to thirty goals for Wrexham? Was that ever going to happen? I think I don't. He doesn't help. It don't you don't help yourself when you say that, dear. You? You've not played, um, you know, professional football before. You come into Wrexham. That just goes to show he didn't do his research and realised how big Wrexham is and how hard this league is. He's not looked the previous strikers and what their records were, but he's gone on the Daily Post and said, "Yeah, I scored twenty five to thirty goals this season." I think he scored one. <laughs> it just it, you know that that just goes to show there was someone from a you know a young lad who wasn't ready. And, um, yeah, well, didn't understand, obviously, how big the club was. Simple as that. My memory of um, him joining was uh, on Red Passion, people trying to figure out who he was. There was all this searching going on. And I think somehow he got mistaken for someone else. And someone was like, oh, God, we got this lad who's been at Birmingham's Academy. And he's it's amazing. It was completely the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, that just, thing, just sums know, it up, he, doesn't it? He got his chance. And I don't know if he might have had a good two years in the academy at Birmingham. He might have done very well, but if he'd done that very well, he would have got a pro, wouldn't he, at Birmingham? So for us, you know, that just goes to show we were a little bit, I don't want to like to say the word desperate, but, you know, we've gone and got someone there where you probably could have got maybe a 30-year-old who was a free agent who has done it, is experienced, might not be the best mobile, but probably can still do a better job than maybe an under-18 player coming through the ranks. Um, just in terms of Gary Mills... <laughs> The man people know, probably know I'm quite fascinated with uh, Gary Mills and his time at Wrexham. What what was he like, I guess, A, as a manager, but also as a person? And I think quite a few people on this podcast have touched on the, you know, sort of the off-field culture as well. What what was it like in the background? Um, so I, I really talked to Gary Mills um, just because, obviously, he gave me a chance you know, I played a lot of games. I think I played 44 games in all competitions that season. And um, when you look, when I said, obviously, previously, when you've seen that squad coming through, I was thinking, oh, Christ, here we go again. I'm probably going to get the 20 mark here. Um, so I, I liked him in that way that I got my chance. Obviously, the attractive football that he played, it was something different, but it was something for six months that it worked for us. Um, he was a very, him and Darren Kasky on the training field were, really really good where we'd only train for an hour and 15 but it'd feel like we trained for about two hours it was very short and sharp um and probably what we got more out of um for ourselves and then obviously off the field <laughs> you know we, we had the old trips down to you know for every plane down uh south we'd because he's obviously from um, northampton we'd uh we train in northampton just on this local pitch um, which actually wasn't a bad standard, but I think it was someone that was related to Gary or he knew that we could use the pitch. And then uh, it would just be, right, first time this is when we're down here. Right, come on, the lads, here we go. It's, it's a pub. Yep, come on, then we go. We're going to play uh, some darts, some uh, dominoes and some, what's the game, Skittles? Yeah, Skittles. 
Uh, you've probably heard this this story before, but there you've got it. Right, you get in. Yeah, you can have two pints. That's it. Two pints. No more, no less. You've got to have two pints. So the, obviously there was me, Ross, right, the young no lads. Less. Yeah. <laughs> so like, right, uh, Ross, what should we do here? Is this a test? Because obviously you think it's a test. You know, oh, look at him there. He's having a pint, right? You're not playing tomorrow. So me and Ross didn't. Me and Ross got an apple juice or a J2O. I remember it. We got a J2O. We poured it in our glass. So it looked like we were drinking. But it was deadly serious. And like I said, we never crossed the border. It was always no more than two. And uh, it was just more to kind of get together for the group of lads. And like I said, for a certain part, it did work. But he never changed. So even if we lost two on the bounce, he would still do it. Now, you know, fans hearing about this, it doesn't look good. Um, but obviously, I can say for myself, I was, ne- you know, never did more than, you know, two pints, obviously, when we were there. But that's the kind of culture he had. And like I said, he was an 80s player. He played Nottingham, didn't he, in the 80s? So you can imagine what obviously went on there. I think I uh, listened to Gary's podcast and I think he went on about when he was uh, under Brian Clough. And, you know, they did they, they did the kind of same thing there. And I think he's just come through that. And that's how he was. And that's how his managing style is. And I don't think to this day he'll never change that. And it's always his uh, way in football, I think. I mean, you said you played quite a lot that season. You've also said, you know, and we know that that squad wasn't wasn't good enough. I mean, yeah. the stuff that you mentioned earlier about losing a game and keeping your head down by, you know, by the lights in Johnstown, does that get yeah. magnified when you're having a season like that and you're a bit more in it because, you know, you're, you're a key that, player? That, that season was probably, it, it was... It felt just so because no one in the preseason. I dam I uh, damaged my ankle in the preseason game against Lex, um, and I just think one of the lads is just absolutely. And I've never had the best ankles. Never have. They've always you know after a game they get swelled up. And then after that, we we I missed the first game of the season. I missed the first I think seven weeks. I was in a moon boot, and we we weren't performances wise. I think we were sitting 15th, 14th, 15th. Um, and then I actually played with my foot so strapped that I couldn't actually, I mean, my toes were white. That's what I felt like I had to do. So I played more or less that season with an ankle that I had a doctor telling me saying that I should have had three to four months off it where I carried on playing just because, not that I knew I was going to make the difference because I wouldn't because I'm that type of player that's not going to score you 25 to 30 goals or something like that. But I'm the player that's going to run and fans notice that I will work my ass off even if the squad is not the best. And I think that's what I was just doing and doing and doing and obviously wanting the lads to back me up and do that same. And majority of them did. You know, they weren't the best ability-wise, but they knew they had to work for this club. But obviously we had certain passengers that obviously didn't do that. So that season, responsibility and pressure, I did feel a lot, especially like playing with the injury that I had. Um, I think it was the season after I actually brought my ankle in the end. Because it was just, it was so weak. It wasn't right for me to actually play. And I think it just damaged so much ligaments and that my ankle was just literally weak. But again, like you said, I felt like I had to just play through it and show that I wanted, you know, I, I would do anything for the club to try and get the three points on a weekend. How are you doing for time, Robbie? Have you got another? No, I'm all right, mate. I'm fine. I'm fine. I didn't even notice it, to be honest. Yeah, no, just because there's a few other things I wanted to ask. No, I'm fine. I'm fine, mate. Yeah, no, all right. go ahead. Uh, mate, give us, give us, Put a hand up if you if you need to get off and we'll. we'll no, wrap. I'll be. Like I said, I'll be all right. Eight quarter to eight, whenever, maybe. Yeah, I'll be fine. Cool, great, thank you. So you know, just, just sort of going to that. I mean, you're at that age now where you're going out in town and, and stuff like that. You you don't want to give that up just because you've you've lost a match, do you? But no. What was it like sort of going to to out and around town? We. Were the team getting hassled? Did you, did they understand what you were doing in that team? And and maybe I didn't, I didn't go out when we lost. Simple as right. I went out. I went out once when we lost a game, and I came on with the black eye. And to that day, I never wow. went out again. Yeah, um, and it's kind of the same now. Even like if I'm playing in Telford and I'm obviously in Wrexham way, I still won't go out on a Saturday if I've lost a game because it hits me that bad. But during, obviously, my time at Wrexham, on a Saturday, for example, I was a young lad, if it was my mate's birthday, oh, you know, we're going out for a few drinks Saturday. You come in? I'll, well, I'll let you know. Why? It's my birthday. I'll let you know how the game goes on Saturday. Because if we win, I'll go out. 
no problem. You know, I'll have a couple of beers. That'll be fine. But I said, if we lose, it's not worth it. And, you know, they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, because, you know, it doesn't look good. It doesn't reflect good me, especially that season as well in that squad. It doesn't look good on me losing a game 2-0 at home today and then me going out and having a few drinks. And, yeah, I never did it. So I think I went out once and then obviously mum kind of said, right, no more now. You're not going out if you lose. But I think, it, you know, it was good in a way because looking back at it, I probably shouldn't have gone out in Wrexham when you've just lost 2-0. But again, you look back, you know, you're an eight, 19 year old kid, you know what, you know, you, you got no girlfriend at the time. So what are you going to do kind of thing? Um, but I learned from it. And then I think when, when you win, you can obviously have a celebrate uh, drink. But when I, when I lost, I just, yeah, I'd ended up staying at home, kind of watching match of the day and then going to sleep. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit a bit of a shame because obviously they they they're your prime years in many ways. You know, we're all out in town around about eighteen. It is, but you've just got to put to reality. You got to, I had to look where I actually was, and I I was at Wrexham Football Club, and you know what I mean. I, I you do miss in certain parts, but what's more what's more important? Something that you've worked for since you were the age of 10, 11, or a night that you're probably not going to remember the next day, kind of thing. And I think I went down that route where. Right. If I lost, I'm not going out. And, you know, if we win, then maybe I'll go and have a couple of drinks with the lads and stuff like that. And I think that's, I think it worked for me better, to be honest. And yeah, I'm kind of the same way now. Even if, like I said, I'm at Telford now and the missus wants to go out on the weekend. If I've lost, I'm not in the mood. Leave me alone. Let me just watch match of the day kind of thing. If we win, right, go on then. I'll come out, but you're paying. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, we're sort of getting to the end of your sort of Rex and career now because I know after 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 Gary left Keats came came in didn't he and obviously um did he come in part way through that season and stabilize things um yeah in a way because obviously when Gary Wills was there there was a certain part of me thinking you know in about three months we could be in a relegation battle if we don't get our you know heads of our asses kind of thing and Keatsy came in and I think he added a few additions um you know your Russell Penn um, Russ Payne came in um, you know and we had a few players that he corded up a little bit and when I say that you know the spine you know had a vocal centre half I think he got a vital centre mid Russell Penn you know someone that can just calm things down who's got the experience to control the game um, and, I th- and I think we got uh, McCloyd is it McCloyd the striker or something like that again someone who's very experienced you know someone who's might be you know he's gone past it but he just had that spine of the team where he calmed things down and obviously I think he had a few decent results, still obviously lost a few games, but again, managed us and kind of seen us through that season where we weren't looking, you know, over our shoulders at the end of the table, at the bottom of the table, sorry, at the end of the season. Yeah. I'm all right in thinking you left at the end of that season. Yeah. Quite bizarre because he put me, um, well, I say bizarre, he uh, he put me captain when he came in full-time. So that was obviously I had full-time captaincy because Sean Newton just left to go to um, York with Gary Mills. Um, and he just said, you know, again, I trust you. You know, I want you in the team. I want you to be captain because, you know, lads, you're a local lad and that. So that's obviously the pressures come on you even more because you're captain and the team's not doing so well and you're a local lad. Um, but yeah, then obviously came the end of the season with the contract um, negotiations and then it just came to a time that I wasn't offered a contract. Um, and like I said, that's just uh, how football goes. I mean, was there any hard feelings? Did you think, no, I can, I can, I can still give to this club. I still want to. Yeah, I felt like after that last season, obviously you've gone from the Gary Mills and then to a good footballing season, uh, good footballing season to Gary Mills and to a Gary Mills football team that obviously wasn't providing what we probably should have done and with the squad and that. I felt like I maybe had another year, but again, you know, a change is nice. And like I said, I've I've been at Wrexham a long time, and um, being under that pressure and living in Wrexham, I thought maybe you know time was right. And his words, Keatsy's words were to me, you know, he said, "I'm not letting you go because your ability or what you do for this club." He said, I, "I'm just letting you go because I think you need a change or need a break from Wrexham." And you know, you're disappointed, but looking back at it, I think maybe you know maybe one more season. But anyway, it was coming towards where maybe right, you know, I've been a Wrexham boy. I'm a local lad maybe it's time for me to go and play, you know, in a different area. Um, and yeah, and I did that in a way. Yeah. Um, we might come on to that, mate, because 
because Billericay fascinates me. But anyway, before we do that, let's end your Wrexham career on a high. We do okay. something on the podcast called the Fearless in Devotion moment. And it's yep. the moment through your Wrexham career filled you with the most passion. Is, is there one or two things that sort of... Uh, put, yeah, something. It's giving me goosebumps already thinking about it. Um, beating Chester 3-0. And oh, um, yeah. um, Scott, I, I've got quite a few. And, you know, I've listened to your show so many times and I've always thought in my head, if I'm on the show, what would I actually say? And I've changed my mind every time, but first thing that's just popped to my head is the Wrexham, obviously Wrexham Chester, beating them 3-0 convincingly. I'm not one of them people that will score goals, but it's a perfect time to score it is against that team in Flincher. And yeah, it was uh, it was smashing. No, great. Tell us about Bill, Bill Ricky then. It <laughs> I mean, I, I'm London-based, so I get yeah. to hear about it a little bit more than... Uh, than your average Wrexham fan, but it just sounded nuts. I mean, I know they, they made a move for you because they wanted to push on. They saw you as a as a regular in in the in the conference. Yeah. I mean, how how did you even get approached in that? Is it is it Templin who does that, or is it or is it just comes just comes knocking on your door basically? That's the kind of man he is. Um, it, it was it was so obviously I I left Wrexham, um, and then. May and June, you're, you're, I'm getting these offers coming through and I had the Kidderminster, I had the Southport, um, I had Telford, I think I had Macclesfield at the time. So I, I've had some decent offers. Um, and then I just out of the blue at the time, my agent was Jake Spate. So Spate, he rang me up and said, we've got an offer here, Rob. Um, I'm not going to tell you how much it is. I'm just going to tell you what league they're in first. Straight away, I said, no, it's, that's not for me, to be honest. It's too low. And he said, well, just listen, they've got a project that they're, they're going for. I said, right, who plays for him? He said, Paul Koncheski. Paul Koncheski? He said, yeah, Paul Koncheski. He said, fuck no. Who else plays for him? Jamie Wara. I said, what? I said, no, you're having me off here. Is this like a... No, not having it. Anyway, it came about that I got a very good contract offer and I was 20. I didn't have a lot of money. I probably didn't have any money in my savings account. You're just looking now at these offers and you're thinking, right, you know, football's not a long space of time. And you said, I'm not the most ability person that's going to go and get this money ever again. You know, your money goes to your strikers and your, your defenders to keep your clean sheets, you know. And I just had this offer that came through and the likes of playing, obviously, with these type of players. I did say I was going to move to a different area. I couldn't have gone any further down to Bill Ricky. No. Um, yeah. But it was just actually a good project. Um, to be part of and obviously the year I signed a three-year deal down there in the end only did 12 months um, just because obviously what went on that season and stuff like that stuff in the in the background that I probably wasn't for me um, I wasn't happy with and it got known for a little bit for being a circus And but footballing wise we had a very good year we won the treble we got promoted to the Conference South I got player of the season oh Jermaine Pennant he was another player that Ended up turning yeah. up. I, I know, you know, you imagine you're training and Jermaine Pennant walks in, he's thinking, you're playing the Champions League final. But um, very bizarre. Um, I'm glad I did it. I don't regret it at all because I had a great footballing season for myself. Um, and like you said, we won the treble down there. But yeah, just came out of the blue that I got a phone call off him and yeah, off Glenn Tamplin. I remember the next day, uh, I got the offer by eight o'clock, say, for example, now, um, Tuesday, evening, uh, Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. Right, if you're going to sign it, you've got to sign it by 7 o'clock tomorrow. All right, okay, 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. night. Nope, 7 o'clock in the morning. I said, sorry, what? I'm in Wrexham. Do you know that's three and a half hours away? Well, I'll pay for you to come to the hotel. So I've ended up going that night. Um, I was just about to go for a walk, I think, with the dog. I remember I had to drive then all the way. Now, by mind, I've never driven on a, a motorway before. So this is the right. first time I'm driving on the M1 absolutely shitting myself, crying to me mum, oh, I don't know what to do. Ended up going down there, staying in the hotel, went at seven o'clock in the morning, and signed the contract. Yeah. <laughs> it, Rob, was, just, it was just... I've just spotted was... something on my own Twitter. I was doing a bit of research before I um, did this. So it's a tweet from me the day you joined Billericay. I said, bloody hell, he was only in Eagles Meadow yesterday. How did you get there so fast? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what I mean. It was just so bizarre how it worked. I must have gone to do a little bit of shopping in River Island, gone back for some tea, walked the dog, and then next minute I'm driving to bloody Essex and staying in the hotel. I know. Like and Gavin then Stacey. It, it literally was. That's all I got known for was because I love Gavin and Stacey as well. And then Welsh boy moving to Bill Essex, Bill and Ricky. It was, yeah, it was like, kind of written in the script but like I said it was so bizarre um, but 
um, I, I had no regrets because I had a great year. Um, and I still, you know, still follow them now. The fan base was so good. You know, they're very um, old fashioned fan base that, you know, the club, same kind of fans that have been with them for the last 20, 30 years. And they, they were lovely people down there. And like I said, some great memories playing in some finals and stuff and went like winning the treble that year. So it was just a very bizarre little move for myself. What was the night in Billericay like? Night out never went, never went. Yeah. No, no, never went. I went to I went to S, like proper Essex though. So what was it? Uh, Brentwood? Brent. No, I went there for one. Jesus Christ! I, well, I went out the sugar shopping. Hut, Pardon? Was it the Sugar Hut? Is it the uh, the That's Club? it. I went there and Faces. Is it Faces or something like that? It's called. Well, I ended up going there, but there's all these Jermaine pennants. So I've got these shirts at about five hundred quid and all that. I'm thinking, shit, I need to go do something here. So I went into London and bought myself a shirt. I think it was only about eighty quid. Turned up. Oh, looking smart here, yeah, right, get to the door. Can't come in, sorry. Why? I didn't have a belt on. It wouldn't let me oh, in because wow. I didn't have a belt on. No, wouldn't let me in to have a belt. So I don't know if you've seen the in-between uh, scene when he goes like down the yeah, street yeah, and yeah, finds a certain hobo. someone. I said, yeah, well, I didn't meet a hobo, but I <laughs> found someone who's coming out of the bar and I said, mate, I'll give you 20 quid for your belt. And it was a named one. It's just because I didn't have a belt on. But yeah, I ended up taking the belt and giving the geezer 20 quid and then... Went into faces, yeah. It was uh, quite bizarre, but yeah, never been out in Billericay, but I had a few nights out there and uh, in London, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, so let's just sort of let's start wrapping it up and let's sort of come back to, to what you're doing now and where do we, what do we need to do to start creating Robbie Evans's every season at, at the Wrexham youth team? Because I know it, it's it's been maligned a little bit over the last sort of years where are we really Robbie and what do we what do we need to do I think um obviously academy but when and when I was coming through the academy um there used to be obviously you had your local teams but the, the amount of scouts that the club used to have um I remember I was at one game and I played for the Wrexham schoolboys and we had five scouts and they were all from Wrexham now you know I don't think scouts these days at Wrexham, you know they, they don't get paid or anything like that it's not that I'm kind of Premier League scouts um so it's basically finding people that will go out for the club that will go and scout these grassroots players because I've just picked a lad up from um, a, a local team in the Wrexham area. Turned out he's never been found out to be this actually really good player and I've just invited him in for a trial and he's currently on trial with me at the moment. So there's so many lads in this area that I find, um, not you know not just in Wrexham, in North Wales, that are actually so able to play um, for the academy at Wrexham. It's just... Certain club might beat you to it. You know, you've got your Connors Key, your TNSs. And like I said, they're funded very well because obviously they're in the Welsh Premier League and it just means maybe, you know, they get the kit and everything sorted from straight away and it's hard for a club then. Once someone's signed, it's very hard for you to go and get, even if they're in under-12s, it's very hard for you to go and get an under-12s player if they're signed now. It is. It's ridiculous how hard it is. There's more paperwork now that probably when you go sign someone in first-team football on January transfer deadline day. There's more paperwork to do. And I just think it's a little bit all like that at the moment. But, you know, if, if we could get, obviously, the players and some of the players into the schools and stuff like that, and we can start just now revoluting and getting more out there again. Now we're such a good financial stable now for the club. Can we now just maybe put some, I don't know, money towards the academy and stuff like that where we can now provide for these lads? Um, like I said, they, have fun, they get everything. they got the kit and stuff like that, but now can we just do that a little bit more if, you know, we're able to, and like I said, if we get promoted, then there's no problem. You, you, you know, you get the funding and stuff like that. It's just, uh, it's just a different ball game. And, uh, you know, you lose certain players then that go to higher academies, but it just shows how much of a good job that you're doing. But um, funny story, I've got actually Paul Mullins' nephew in my under-15s team. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's captain. He takes the throw-ins. He takes the corners. He, I just have him doing everything because he's Paul Mullins, basically, isn't he? So... <laughs> if I thought if I let him do all this, then Paul Mother might come over to my one of my training sessions sometime soon. Yeah. Hoping was he, anyway. Was he on the training session before before Paul signed? Was he was uh, he with the club before? Yeah, he was he was there before oh, wow. Paul signed. Yeah, he was there. And then he just turned up um start of the season and he had um so obviously we have our training kit exactly the same, but just minus the uh, the gin sign on it because obviously yeah. academy players can't you know promote alcohol. And he turned up with this jumper, and I was thinking, have you gone to the club shop and bought that? He went proper scouts. He went, no, it's me uncle's. I said, who's your uncle? 
you know, gonna shout at him really because yeah. he had this jumper on. He went, Paul Mullen. I went, You carry on wear it, son, you're fine, no problem <laughs> at all. And he still wears it now. <laughs> uh, but I yeah, mean, what, it's a... sorry, I'm just gonna ask what what can Ryan and Rob sort of bring to this new system now? Because it's so high profile. Is it gonna be a, a bit of a change where parents want their kids to to come I, th- I, th- I think that's what we're hoping for. Um, I think, obviously, first and foremost, your, your first team is the priority. And, you know, I, until we get out of this league or we get close enough where they can't do any more. Um, and then, obviously, when it's come to that, you know, can we then maybe, you know, put a bit extra funding into the academy and stuff like that? You know, because we, we haven't got a training ground. Um, so, obviously, we have the 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s train at Colliers Park and 13s to the 16s train at Queensway. Now, I think you know and I know what Queensway is like. It's not the best not pitch at all. Yeah. It's not. Um, and, you know, the, uh, that's not. I'm not saying it's their fault. It's no one's fault at all. It's just circumstances what the clubs come under, you know, losing Collies and stuff like that. So, I think a priority would be, you know, a, a good training venue for, for the you know, the academy. Um, and stuff like that because you know any any possibility we can help these boys progress and, and let me tell you it's still very highly thought of this academy we've got some players that are coming through that you know that have got a chance of putting the record show on and then again being another Jordan Davis being another uh, Robbie Evans Steve Thomason you know the lads that have come on Danny Ward maybe who knows but there is some very good players in this academy and um yeah, hopefully, you know, we can progress them and um, turn them into machines and, yeah, hopefully get us into that football league or play in the football league for us. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, actually, that was going to be my last question before we did the quick fire round. I mean, obviously, Clueworth's the one who people can point towards now, but yeah. is there any is there any sort of other players coming through? Is there anyone you, you, you can name or do you not want to do that just because you don't want to put added pressure on them? Yeah, I, I won't I won't name them just because I, I, I think I told you my team that I was going to be on this show and I'd yeah. But in my team there's a good under fifteens team, there's a good um three or four, you know, that are more than capable, I think, in two, three years' time that I've got that mentality that I can see that I had when I was fifteen, this maturity of being a Wrexham player um, and I think the under 16s that I just obviously hopefully go through into the youth team that you know there's a good number of them as well that have been around the Wales setup, the Wales under 16 squad so you know if they're you know getting in the Wales under 16 squad over some football league clubs then you know you've got a chance so um, I, you know the academy's doing a brilliant job under the circumstances that we were in you know and um, I think there's uh, yeah there's more to come from the lads coming up so um yeah, just have a look out, I think. And I think they will get the chance because I coached Dan Davis under 15s. I coached him three years ago when he's got his pro contract after just one year being a scholar. Um, and Aaron, um, I think there's three or four. Um, Kai Evans, I coached him. So there's a few, you know, lads obviously that are coming through that are getting recognised and getting, you know, what they're awarded. Yeah, and it's good that Parkinson has sort of said or shown that he will use the youth, the youth team and I think that's important because if you can actually show there is a there's an absolute route to to play in for Wrexham FC that makes that makes more difference than than, than anything really doesn't it exactly exactly you know and, uh, and I think he, like you just said he, you've touched on it he's shown he is showing trust in in Max and what he's doing this season um so like like I said let's just hope he uh he carries on bringing these lads through, but like I said, it's down to them now to keep working hard and getting in around the first team and see what they can do. Right, let's do the quick fire round because you've been very good with your time. Let's let's let you go. I know I know Chelsea Real Madrid's. Uh, about to <laughs> yeah, so, no worries. In your time in Wrexham, who was the most skillful? I think I might know the answer. Yeah, sorry, Dombos. Yeah, who was the worst dressed? Who who wouldn't even bring a belt to a nightclub? Wesley York. Terrible. Yeah. Still has terrible clothes now. Always will. Easy. Right. Okay. Um, I don't think we've touched on York much, really. Is he? Is he? What sort? Of, what sort of a lad is he? Because he, he was. Where's York? He is. Oh, how can I explain this in the nicest way that he won't message me? Um, it's like talking to a wall, but the wall's got a smart haircut and sometimes smiles at you. That's probably the nicest way possible. He is like. You could say something really hurtful to Wes York and you'll still laugh. <laughs> he just can't take it. He just doesn't, yeah. 
very good footballer, very skillful, very quick. Just he's got a brain of the size of a pea. That's how I'll say. Okay, I'm going to go with Ficky's pig shit, but really nice. <laughs> um, who was the biggest moaner? Oh, I've got two. Can I can I say two? Yeah, yeah. Neil Ashton, Connor Jennings. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, I can still hear their voices in my sleep now. That's how much they moaned. More more than my missus, and that's bad. Yeah, they were just... Sorry, what's that? My second one's for Connor Jennings and Neil Ashton. Okay, they both come up before, yeah. But again, it was just because they're winning mentality. They wanted to win, they wanted to win. And even in training, they will dig you out in games, rightly so. But yeah, sometimes you just think, just give it a rest and put a sock in it. Yeah, definitely them two. Who's the most underrated? Not Callum Powell, I'm going to say. <laughs> Most underrated. Oh, I've actually not thought about that one before. Who's, who's, who gave more on the pitch than people sort of really gave them credit for? Oh, my God, you put me on the spot here. No, I can't say me. Jesus Christ, no. Most underrated. Right, uh, one person who I thought, you know, didn't get the credit for what he actually... Uh, Adrian Amoke. He, he was right. one just because he, he was played. I, this is just, I could have probably give you a more accurate answer, but this is just top of my head. Someone who was a wide player that came into that holding midfielding role and, you know, just on the ball, how he used to just glide through players. I just yeah, thought, he you know, he, he, he was fantastic. And I think he did get the praise that he actually deserved, to be honest. But, you know, I think it, maybe sometimes he did deserve a little bit more for what he did and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just thinking on, on top of my head, I'll, I'll go with uh, Mokes. You know what? I'm okay. I think um, one of Mills's big oh, worst decisions was not giving him another year. I, I, I really do because I think I, the way yeah. he break lines in midfield. He was just, he was one of them. And to be honest, it was Gary Mills who put him in that centre mid position because he's always been a, I played against him as a, a, a wide player at Macclesfield. Mm-hmm. But he was someone in there, as long as you've got someone next to him that can do the dirty work and win the second balls, give the ball to him to break them lines and glide through with his pace. It was just something I don't think Wrexham as a midfielder has ever had. Well, since I've been there, you know, you've never had that ball, um, someone who can carry the ball 20, 30 yards and actually from the centre circle and actually provide maybe a, a, a cross or an assist or something like that. Um, it was such a big shame because I think he could have gone on to maybe you know do another two or three seasons in Wrexham because I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, so do I. Right, last one in the quick fire. Who was the hardest? Who did you not want to fight? Um, Jay Harris. Jesus, yeah. Definitely Jay Harris. Yeah, he's the same size as me, but he's just, yeah, you never make, I would never sometimes make eye contact with him because he'd scare me. Because, yeah, I just think if I said the wrong thing, he's, he's going to knock me out with something. Nicest man off out of football, but on the pitch, yeah, he's kind of hard as nails to mind. So he'll always look after himself. Cool. That, that's it from me. Liam, have you got anything, any last questions for, for Rob? Just, um, I suppose it comes full circle from what we've been talking about, really. But um, are you looking forward to, to going to the trophy final as a spectator? Have you got any sort of plans in place yet? Yeah, so... Um, touched on it. I bought my ticket today. Um, I've just bought one ticket because a lot of my mates are working that weekend and stuff like that. So I haven't worked out how I'm getting down there, what I'm doing, but I just thought, right, I'll get my ticket today. So I've got my ticket today, and then um, I'll um, I'll come up with a plan or something. I might just get on a supporters coach and just yeah, because that's what I want to do. I want to go. I never get the chance to watch as Wrexham as much as I can because I'm playing and stuff like that. I still support them, and I still you know I'm hoping they can do it this year. And I there's just something about it that I think at the moment they're absolutely flying. And there's something that they can do, whether that's win the league and stop or have this little halt, um, or we can do it in the playoffs and do it the hard way. I think there's enough in the squad to do it. So I'm just looking forward to going to Wembley as a fan. Um, and just, yeah, supporting them for the day or for the weekend. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And then just one last one. We're all, I think, even now still trying to digest the the takeover. But what, what do you think the potential is for, for this football club with the money it's got behind it now? Um, if it's spent in the right way, which so far it has, I think it could, it could they can go a long way. That's not me saying Premier League, if I'm going to be realistic. You know, you're looking League One. That's your first kind of step ladder. And then once you're there, then you make a new project to go, obviously, even higher. Um, but I think 
with the backing and everything like that, I think this club can definitely achieve in, let's hope it's not this long, but five to six years can get definitely to League One football. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. They've got the backing. The squad is definitely League Two football, uh, League Two standard. If not, could probably do a job in League One if we're looking now, realistically, with the fan base as well. And like I said, if you can get yourself to League Two and League One and then, right, let's have a meeting, let's start a new project. What do we want to achieve now in the next five to ten years? And um, let's see. But I definitely think with the backing and that, they can they can go as high and uh, you know as they want really until they have to make a new project kind of thing. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Robbie. We'll let, we'll let you get off, but really enjoyed that. Really, really honest, really, really open. And it's just, it's just nice to hear, you know, someone who really loves the club as much as, as we do talk about it in, in such glowing terms. And we thank you so much for your no, time. Listen, I thank you both. It's a great show. And like I said, uh, I really appreciate it getting, you know, getting myself in. But I know it took a while, but obviously I found some time. But I've, I've loved it. And like I said, I, I could carry on talking, to be honest. Once I'm talking about Wrexham or football or coaching, yeah, it's hard to get me off. But no, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much to Robbie Evans for his time. Really appreciate that. Uh, but now it's time for predictions. Uh, Andy, why don't you take us through them? Um, yeah, no one went for a Woking win, so we're as we were. Um, so let's just do the next couple of uh, let's just do the next couple of uh, games. So we've got Weymouth away. I'm going to go. Reese, you going? Can you make that? Are you going to that? Absolutely not. I'm still. I'm still going to be recovering from. Uh, uh, Sunday, but no, that, I think that would involve leaving at about 4 pm, which uh is not really feasible, yeah. Fair enough. So, we got Weymouth, who we got Saturday, South End again. So, South End at home, right? Okay, I'll go first. I'm gonna go Weymouth. I think we're gonna win. I think it's gonna be 2 1. South End, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I think it's gonna be a draw. I'm gonna go one each. Tim, do you want to go next? Ooh, I'm gonna go for a 2-0 win at Weymouth and I'm going to go for a 3-1 win over those jelly deal slags from Southend. With uh, Callum Powell scoring the one, Robbie Evans' best mate. Exactly. Uh, right, Liam? I'm going to go for a 2-1 win at Weymouth and a 3-2 win over Southend with Robbie Evans to run on the pitch and two-foot Callum Powell in the first minute. Yeah, after, <laughs> after Rutherford. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Finally, Reese. I oh, I've got to make up ground here, but I'm gonna to have to just stick to my instincts. I think Andy, I'm thinking along the same lines as you. I'm gonna go for a two nil win down in Weymouth. I think we'll bounce back. We'll have to dig deep for it. They'll be knackered, but we'll get a win there. South End at home. Don't know. South End a bit hot and cold at the moment, but they're clearly getting better. Uh, I'm gonna say two all. Yeah. I can see a draw. P.S. Fat ball. Oh yeah. As, as our as our leasing still continuing, or has it run out? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Those predictions, these predictions were sponsored by the Fat Ball. We'll have to check the, con- we'll, have to check the pod. we'll have to check that lengthy uh, contract that we wrote out with them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I consult it. I'll consult it ready for the next podcast. But yes, thank you, of course, to everyone at the Fat Ball, one of Wrexham's finest establishments. Actually, what am I talking about? Wrexham's finest establishment. Um Uh, for their continued support of the podcast but that's it for this week Uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you very soon cheers cheers bye bye